Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of the message is Battles and Blessings. Battles and Blessings. I, I so badly wanted to title this message Blessings and Battles. I, I wanted to come out with the positive side and then just kind of mumble uh, the, the side that's not as fun to talk about. But in full reality, if we're all going to be honest with each other, we're going to take our church mask off and we're just going to like, okay, we're family here. We're going to be honest. We have battles that last so much longer than we want them to. Uh, some battles we wish only lasted for an hour. They end up lasting for a week. We have battles that last for a week and then a month and then they have three or four years. Th these battles, they're just like, like a rock in your shoe. Has that ever happened to you? You got a rock in your shoe, you keep stepping on it. And then what do you do when you got a rock in your shoe? You try to kick it forward, right? You try to kick it in front of your toes so you don't have to step on it. And that's fine. It stays up there for a little while. And then it creeps back down. You're stepping on it again. And, and that's what we end up doing with these challenging moments. We figure out how to adjust and then we can kind of breathe for a minute and then it gets worse again. And uh, I, 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 to define what a battle is, is, it's when you are getting squeezed. It's when you are in a season where you would change it if you could. Uh, it's when your children, your beloved children, are going through something that you would give all the money you have in order to change it for them. You whisper to yourself, I wish I could take that problem and experience it for myself just so they don't have to experience it. But when you cannot control the situation and you're getting squeezed, you are in the middle of a battle. You are in the middle of a battle when your marriage just seems like it is in a hopeless state. There's no pulling it back. You can't pull it back. You can't. You've tried. You can't. Both people have tried. One person has tried during one season. The other person tried it. You just can't. You are in a battle. You are in a battle when you cannot get your finances up to a level that you need it to be. And that is a tough battle to be in because you cannot put your hand on it like you can the radio and just turn it up. Finances are difficult because in most cases, if you work harder, you don't get paid any more than what you do if you don't work harder. And so you just, you're stuck. You're stuck. And, and I want to say this, if you have someone that you love, like a best friend or a family member, and they say something that just it cuts you. You could handle it if it was an enemy. You could handle that. You could handle it if it was somebody that you really didn't like. But isn't it interesting how the enemy knows exactly what will hurt the most? And that person will just inadvertently or purposely say something that just pierces the heart. And, and you can start the process of forgiving, but oh, it's so hard because it cuts so bad. The last point of a battle or example of a battle is when you've done something in your life and you cannot forgive yourself. You can't forgive yourself. And in the back of your mind, you believe that maybe God has forgiven you because you've been told so many times that he has endless mercy. But you, you can't embrace it and you can't forgive yourself. 
You want to be consistent with God. You want to be a worshiper. You want to be the greatest warrior. But in truth of the matter, there was this old song I grew up with. Underneath this armor, this warrior is a child. And it's hard. It's difficult. But I want to say this, and I don't like what I'm about to say. I wish what I was about to say was baloney. I wish it was. But it's in a battle where humility becomes the fabric of who we are. It's in a battle. It's in a battle when character, good, godly, faithful character becomes the definition. It becomes our reputation. It's in a battle where we learn how to pray. It's in a battle where we've backed up and the Lord is saying, I have seen the humility embraced. I have seen your character develop. And I have seen you pray. I've heard you pray. And it has moved me. And it's in a battle where you begin to experience an anointing that you have never experienced before. Absolutely. Have you ever come out of a battle and all the pride and arrogancy you used to have is gone? Are you with me? It's not that you were cocky before, but now that you just walked through hell, you just got this sense of humility, and it's so funny how after you've walked through hell, you don't judge people like you used to judge them. Are you with me? Come on, put your hands together. You don't judge people like you used to judge them. So I'm going to talk about battles. I'm going to talk about blessings. And then I'm going to pray for you and bless you. And then the service will be just about over. Uh, I want to get this entire message out of a passage in Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. Before I share it with you, though, I want to say that Paul and Barnabas in the Bible, they were like, they were locked at the hip. And they would go from town to town and start churches. And they would go from town to town and encourage believers. They would go and they would challenge people who were not believers to accept the message of Jesus Christ. And they were extremely effective. But there was a sect of Jews, there was a group of Jews that followed them wherever they went. And all they would do is mock. All they would do is try to strategize a way to get them stoned and, or even kicked out of the city. That's all they'd do. And so that takes place in Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 13. Uh, but I want to tell you what happens in Acts chapter 14, verse 1, 2, and 3. It says this. And the same thing happened in Iconium. The, the Paul and Barnabas went to the Jewish synagogue, as they always do. They went to the Jewish synagogue and preached with such power that there was a great many of Jews and Gentiles who became believers. But there were some Jews, however, that they shunned, they spurred against the message of God. And they set their mind to poison 
the thoughts of the Gentiles against Paul and Barnabas. Verse 3 says this, and I love this, the first few words of this. It says this, but the disciples stayed there for a long time. And they preached boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved what they were saying was true. The Lord had their back. He proved what they were saying was true by giving them power to perform miracles, signs, and wonders. I, I, you know, this, is, this is not my message, but I just want to throw it in there just for fun. These were disciples. They already believed in Jesus. They, they were already Christians. And then after that, they received power. Do you know as a Christian, as a daughter of God, uh, a child of God, you know that you're saved, you have an address in heaven, you're going to live eternity with God. But I want you to know that right now, that there is power available and it is promised to you. In John chapter 14, verse 12, it says, Anyone who believes shall do the works that I have done. So all of us, all of us, you, me, uh, Aunt, Bebe, all of us are available and have been promised this power. But I'm not going to preach about that. Let me do say this, though. The power will manifest in different ways. So the way it manifests here is not so much over here. So don't compare yourself to anyone. There's a certain type of power, healings, miracles, or great conversions. But anyway, that's another sermon for another day. But what I want to talk about, first I'm going to talk about the, the battle. And I, I want to just look for a second on verse number 2, where it says this, that some of the Jews spurred against the message of God and poisoned the lives and the people's thoughts against them. Can I just say, any time you see God working, you will also see Satan working against the move of God to try to stop it. Anytime you see a person, and many of the people that I'm talking about is the person you see when you look in the mirror. Because anytime you see a person that is really from the core of who they am, desperate to worship him, desiring to be close to him, worshiping with all they have, and they hate it. They hate it. Whenever they do something that they know that wasn't pleasing to the Lord. They hate it. They desire to be perfect even though perfection is out of reach. They desire to be holy. They desire to be righteous. And even more than that, they desire to be the one that the love of God flows through them, blesses them, and then flows out of them. They desire to be the one that... They desire to experience the power of God and have the power of God flow through them. So they're walking with God. They're sharing the love of God. And they're sharing the power of God. Anyone who has that desire, there are hordes of hell not taking a day off. 
never taking a day off that are coming against you in depression and in discouragement. Some of you have other battles. It's not, discour it's not discouragement. It's not depression. You have other battles. There, there's addictions or fears or uh, issues with your mouth. You, you speak death more than you speak life. A sarcasm is speaking death, just so you know. I'm not going to go after that. That's another sermon. But for me, but for me, Frankie Mazapika, it's depression that has always fought me the hardest. And I got to tell you, sometimes I have won the battle, and there's a lot of other times where I've lost. And when I lose that battle, or when I'm losing the battle, I'm going down like a funnel. All I want to do is run and keep on running. I'll make Forrest Gump look like a bump in a road. I just keep running and running and running. And, and when I start going down that funnel, I have this, this, on this side I'm depressed, and on this side I'm anxious. And when that happens, you feel like you're never going to be able to crawl out. You can't ever crawl out. And this is, this is what a battle looks like. You feel like you're never going to get out. But what I love is when the next verse, when the Bible says that the disciples stayed even longer. They stayed even longer. You got this massive opposition that's not just the peanut gallery yelling. They're not just doing that. Yeah, they're doing that, but it's not just that. They're talking behind your back, rallying up a crowd to come against you. And they're rallying up a crowd to stone you. Think about this. They want to push you into a pit, gather around you, and stone you and kill you. And the Bible says that they stayed a long time. In spite of that, we've all heard of the responses when adversity comes. There's flight or fight. We've all heard that. I'm going to say that there's a third option. It's grit your teeth and whisper. Hang on and whisper. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Jesus, Jesus, help me. Help me. You don't have the energy to fight. Sometimes you're in a battle and you can fight. You can walk into your house and say, every demon... Get out of here. You are ready to fight. Then there's sometimes you just don't have it in you. You don't want to run and throw God and religion and faith to the curb. You know that's a bad move. But you don't have the energy to fight. You're stuck. And in those moments, that's when you whisper. God, you got to help me. got to help me. you got to help me. You got to help me. If you don't help me, I'm never getting out of this. I got to have you. This is what happens when you're in a battle. Let me take a commercial time out to make an illustration. My favorite ride on a child's playground is a swing. I love swings. Because when I get on a swing, I have, I have three kids. I've taken them all down to the local park. I love swings because I'm in charge. I decide how fast this swing's going to go. 
I decide how high it's going to go. And most importantly, I decide when I get off. I love swings. It's like when you're in the middle of a battle. You, you, it's intense. It's, it's intense. But you know this is not going to last long. It stinks, but it's not going to last long. It, it'll stop in a few days. But then there's the other ride on the playground that I hate. It should not even exist. Whoever came up with this ride should be in jail. They should be in jail. Their whole family should be in jail. And their kids, 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 kids should be in jail. Whoever came up with this ride is probably dead because it's been around for a long time. But I hope they died on the merry-go-round because they're the ones who built it. Now, this doesn't sound very uplifting. and It's not, it's not something that uh, Christians should say, and I'm sorry for that. But do you know how many times, as a kid, I've been sitting on the playground, talking to friends, leaning on those bars, and some schmagool comes running up there and starts spinning it. And, and at first, it's like, ha, 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 And then after a while, I was like, okay, 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 all right, I'm good. Right, let's go ahead and stop. <laughs> and still going. And the more I say stop, the more excited he gets and starts spinning it. And sure enough, the schmagool has a friend who's a, mush, a schmagool. And and they come running over, and they're just having a ball. And I'm so mad. I'm so angry, mainly because it's going too fast, and I'm out of control, and I can't stop it. Now, those are battles. Now that I'm older, I'm not coming 50 yards from a, a merry-go-round. But even still, there are schmagools in my life that push me into a merry-go-round that I cannot stop. There are situations that push me into a playground that I cannot stop. And worse yet, just like getting off of a, a, a merry-go-round, just like getting off. See, when I got off a, a merry-go-round on the playground, I'm looking to kill the guy. But I can't really fight him because I'm all, <laughs> I'm all discombobulated. I'm dizzy. And isn't it true that... It is hard to pray when you're dizzy. It is hard to pray when you're sick to your stomach. And some of you in this room is like, look, I came for faith. Well, before I build your faith, can we be real on why we need faith? Come on, is that okay? And they said they stayed even longer. In the middle of it all, they stayed even longer. I want to encourage you today. If you have the strength to worship, Worship. If you have the strength to pray, pray. Short prayers are powerful prayers. But if you don't have the strength to worship like David worshiped, I want to tell you, I've been there a thousand times, and you just got to whisper your way through it. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need you. I got to tell you, in Psalms 50, 50, 56, 9, I think it is, it says, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. It doesn't say every time you pray for an hour. It says, every time you pray, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Angels coming down. Jesus, help me. And swords coming out. Jesus, help me. There's the, the, the angels, the, the armies of heaven. Jesus, help me. Now, 
Let me talk about my favorite part of the sermon, and that's the blessings. Because if you can grind through the battles, there's blessings waiting at the end. It's so fascinating that blessings follow faithfulness. It's not the blessings that it's not the blessings and then faithfulness. You know, when you say, God, if you bless me, I'll be faithful. And that, that prayer is like, wah, 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 wah. It doesn't, no. But when you're faithful, that's when you experience the blessings. Has anyone ever experienced that before? The blessings come after faithfulness. And so let's go back to this scripture. In verse number three, it says, And the disciples stayed longer, and they preached boldly about the grace of the Lord. And the Lord proved what they were saying was true by giving them power to accomplish signs, wonders, and miracles. God had their back. He's saying, I know you're weak. I know you're tired. I know the whole world is against you. You feel like you're preaching your brains out and nothing's happening. Have you ever tried to be a good influence and really try to reach a loved one, a friend, or a family member, and you think to yourself, I have done everything I know how to do, and I don't think I've done anything at all. Uh, they're just as much of a bimbo as they were before <laughs> I tried to reach them. And the Lord comes along and says, I know you feel like nothing's happening. I know you feel like that. But I'm going to give you a power that can accomplish more in one second than you can accomplish in a year. I have seen it so many times, so many times. A person in their 80s or late 80s, they, they feel like, oh, the, the best years are behind me. And, and then all of a sudden they step into a season where more people get healed in a matter of months than the entire life behind them. More people get converted. More dreams, more visions are happening when they're awake and when they're asleep than the entire 50 years that they just lived. There's a new season that you walk into. There's a new season that you step into. I want to close with this last thought. For every single person here who's fighting a battle that they, don't, they can't even put into words, it's just overwhelming. I want you to remember three truths and do not let the enemy take it away from you. Number one, you are not alone. Number two, you are not rejected. And number three, he's with you. You are not alone. You are not rejected. And actually the number three is you are not hopeless. You're not alone. You're not rejected. And you're not hopeless. When I say you're not alone, it's got a double meaning. Number one, we're all going through something. The second meaning is that even though you feel alone, the creator of the universe is with you. Number two is you're not rejected. After a series of mistakes, not only do you feel like you're alone, it feels like 
the Lord is no longer with you because you've just made too many mistakes. Not mistakes 27 years ago. Mistakes today. You ever notice when somebody gives their testimony, it's always like years ago? They don't want to talk about today. Are you with me? Like it'd be real easy to say, well, when I was a kid, I used to have depression. That'd be really, really easy. But to say that I fight depression now, that's a whole different ballgame. Are you with me? Say yes. You're not alone. You're not rejected. And you're not hopeless. Hopeless means you don't think this is ever going to change. I want to tell you, just like those disciples were in the middle of the most challenging season that they could imagine. They may have felt hopeless, but help was on the way. I want to tell you, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Help, if you receive that, come on. Help is on the way. I'm not trying, I'm telling you, I'm not trying to hype you up. There's a difference between faith and hype. And you guys are too smart. Your, your leadership, what's that word that starts with an I? I, I, I IQ, uh, IQ, intelligence quotient. Let's go with that. It's not the word I was thinking of. Your intelligence quotient is so high. You can sit there in your seat and go, he's hyping us up. And I could have just ran with that moment. But you're too smart. Now that moment for me was authentic. And it was authentic for every person who clapped. But for... A large swath of you thought this is hype. And I want to tell you, you didn't think that it was hype because you're bad or evil. You're an intellectual. And it's normal to say, I know what's going on here. And if that's you, do not let the enemy or anyone else tell you you're wrong for thinking that. You're human and you're intellectual and that's why you're thinking that. But I would say this. When I tell you help is coming, let your past encourage your present. Help came when you were a child. Help came when you were a teenager. Help came in your 20s. Help came in your 30s. You can sit down with me for hours with a cup of coffee and tell me all the times that help came. I want to tell you, this is not hype. This is fact. If he helped you then, he'll help you now. Now, now put your hands together for that. Come on. This is not hype. This is fact. Come on, put your hands together for that. You know what's so wonderful is how faithful God is. 
Let me see my notes. I've never done this before, so it's a little bit. Tell everyone how much notes I have. I got two pages and how many points? Seven points. Two pages, seven points. I used to have eight pages and 92 points. But after doing this for, what's 44 minus 19? Someone help me out. 25? After doing this for 25 years, I've come to the realization that you didn't come here to hear a man speak. You came here to have God and the Holy Spirit touch your heart. And when I stand on this stage, if that doesn't happen, I only got a page and a half of notes. I'm sunk. I'm sunk. If there's not inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the message, I don't have enough. So we've both wasted our time. When you come to church, you're betting on the Holy Spirit. When I stand up here, I'm betting on the Holy Spirit. And if he doesn't touch you and he doesn't touch me, we all walk out disappointed. But he's here. He's here. Will you stand to your feet for me, please? No, 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 sorry. This part is planned. Bring down the, the, the blinds. I, I can't leave a service without celebrating a miracle. In the first service, I don't want to get into details about what happened because it's almost like diminishing the moment. Have you ever like taken a picture of something beautiful and then you see the picture and you're like, it was prettier than this, trust me. Like you take a picture of, of the ocean, or you take a picture of the Grand Canyon, you take a picture of, you know, you and your friends somewhere, and you, you look at it, and you're like, trust me, it was more awesome than this. Because the, the picture frames it, and it takes out all the, you know what I mean? If I get into too much detail about what happened with a guy who was standing on that square right there, I diminish it. But God rocked him, healed him. Two people with scoliosis, I felt it move under my finger. And I want to tell you, things like that are going to happen in a moment. Some of you will be healed watching the video. It's just how it happens. Take a look at this. Um, back in November of 2020, I was in a really bad accident. Um, I fell nine feet and I crushed this side of my face. I want to say it was in March. I woke up one morning to excruciating eye pain. 
and I told my husband, I said, uh, Richard, I've got really bad eye pain. I'm going to give it a day, and then I'm going to go to the doctor if it doesn't get better. So it did not get better. I went to the doctor the next day, which was a Tuesday. And so they did a, uh, an exam, and they said, your eye is so swollen on the inside, it's like twice the size that it should be. So I was like, okay. So I came home, and I gave the report to Richard, and we prayed an agreement that, that it, would, it, it would all be okay. Um, so we came to church that Sunday, which happens to be the same Sunday that my husband's shoulder was healed. Pastor Frankie called that out. And right after he called out for my husband's shoulder, he said, there's somebody here that their left eye is swollen. Well, I was like, well, that's me. So I immediately went up front and uh, Pastor Frankie said, is that you? And I said, yes, sir. He asked me what happened. I told him I had been in an accident and uh, that my eye is now all swollen. So I went down and then he had a prayer partner. Her name is Sharon. She came and prayed over me. And instantaneously, I could feel the shrinking of the swelling in my eye and a supernatural peace came over me at that moment and I just stood at the altar and just thanked the Lord and so I went to the doctor the next day and she came back and she said there is absolutely no swelling in your eye none we expected to have slight improvement but there's none you are free to go you don't have to do the surgeon anything I've had no trouble since praise God All stand to our feet for me, please. And this is the moment of the service where God begins to do miracles in people's life. The greatest miracle is when a person gives their life to the Lord. And the reason why I say that's a great miracle is because the mindset and the heart to believe in a being that does not, you cannot see. You cannot see him. And you decide, I believe you're there. And for the rest of my life, I'm going to live for you. That's a miracle. And I believe those miracles are going to happen this morning. In fact, we're going to let the Lord work right now on that. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? We'll go for some other things in a minute. But let's deal with that right now. Let me ask you, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure, 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, now everybody lift your chin and open your eyes because this is a public decision. If the answer is no, I haven't been living for him, and I don't know where I'd be if my heart stopped beating in the next five minutes. But that changes now. I want you to raise your hand as high as you can, not short, and leave it up. Go ahead. Leave it up. Leave it up. One, two, three, four. Come on, five. Leave it up. Leave it up high and proud. not a time to play games with God. Six. It's not a time to play games. Let's all say these words real loud. Jesus, come on. I'm sorry for my sins. 
this moment forward. Give me your grace because I want to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give him a big round of applause. Come on. Come on. The person you saw in the video, they were healed. Not, I had nothing to do with it. I never have nothing to do with it, but sometimes the, the power of God will flow through me and but flow through a prayer partner. I didn't even know what was happening. Most people get healed through a prayer partner, not not from me. I, I found out about this one in the first service when I pressed play. So I'd like all of our prayer partners to come down. And wherever you need a miracle, your marriage, emotionally, physically, wherever you need a miracle, I want you to come down. And if you don't have the faith that God will move, they'll have faith for you. But I, I feel like there's a few people that the Lord wants me to pray for. Now this is an interesting moment in the service because I'm leaning on a gift of a word of knowledge which tells me where the Lord tells me who I I'm supposed to pray for, for healing. Now, I have to be very transparent because a lot of times I don't know if it's God talking to me or me talking to me. But we have the privilege of having instant accountability. I tell you what I believe the Lord's speaking to me. If nobody in this room raises their hand and says, that's me, then we all find out together that I missed it. And I'll apologize for that. And if you're new here, I just want to take the pressure off myself. It happens all the time. But this is the exciting part. If I am hearing from God and that person is courageous enough to raise their hand and just come to the front and let me pray for them after the service. I don't bring anyone on the stage. I just say, let me pray for you after the service. If I'm right and I did hear from God, the probability of healing is so high that the percentage is like, I don't know, I'm spitballing here, 90%. So I want to challenge you, if I'm right, just raise your hand. And if you don't raise your hand, I don't know what your story looks like when you walk out of here. You may walk out of here the same way you walked in here. I don't know what that looks like. So I challenge you to be courageous. So when I was sitting on the front row watching the video, I had this impression that there's someone in this room where you can't, that you can't breathe through your nose freely and experience what other people experience. It's, it's, uh, it's stuff.
trying to find some other words here. What? had her nose shattered when she was three. And tell me again. She's had, she's had two surgeries and she still can't breathe all the way through. I'm gonna get you. I know you, don't I? What's your name? Shelly? We've met before, yes? Yeah, so come over here, buddy. Deviated septum, is it? Okay. Okay. All right, stand right there. The Lord's going to heal both of you. These are the moments. Now, I'm going to reach for something. And this was the person who got touched. This was the person that right there in that square in the first service. I reach for a name, which is a far reach for me. And I got the name right, and I got the symptom right. And that person was beautifully healed. It was beautiful. Um, so I'm going to reach for a name, and if, if I'm off, I'm off. But if I'm right, I want to say your name is like Listeria or starts with an L-Y. No, and if it's you, don't come down yet because I want to get... The issue is somewhere underneath my hands. It's, under, it's, it's either in your throat or it's in your top of your chest. Lydia... I don't want to say L-I, it's, it's, it's L-Y. Is that anyone in this room? Now, just out of curiosity, sometimes I'm right on one thing and I'm wrong on the other. here that has an L-Y name who's sick. Maybe it's Lyle. Might be a, a guy. You're sick, but I miss where it's at. Don't scratch your ear or anything because it'll be you. Nobody? Alright. I missed that one. I wanted to model this. Darla, why are you down? Okay. Can you breathe through that right? So I was accurate on 
on three, and I just missed the, the last one. Tell me what your name is. Stacy. Okay. But everything's right except for the name, right? All right. If you want someone to pray for you, I want you to come out of your seat. And just to be honest with all of you, I know everything's right except for the name, but I'm still chalking that up as missing it. Um, what's your name? What? Forehead? All right. And it's your chest or your nose? All right. So I'm not going to try to bend it until I hit it. Like, does anyone know anybody with an L-Y? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I just, I just want to be transparent. Say I was right on one, and I, I missed the other one. What's your name? Natalia. Why is that? So your name is. Your name is what? Okay. All right, so let me catch everyone up. She says, I think you're talking about me. My name doesn't start with L-Y. It starts with... It's, and you're not, it's I-L. When I was talking... felt like the Holy's saying it's you. So this is what's happening now. I missed the name. But the name was close enough to where she's saying, I think that's me. And her faith will ignite a healing. Here, you come stand over there on the just switch sides. There you go. If you need a healing in your body, you need it. Whatever the need is, it's as easy for God to heal you, bless you, do a miracle for you as it is for you to breathe. So I want to invite you to come down and take the hand of a prayer partner. And um, if you're not going to come down, Let's worship together just one or two times through before you leave. And then it's free dismissal, open dismissal. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and bring you peace. In Jesus' name, amen.